What is going on, everyone? Welcome to yet another episode of the Shock Factor Podcast. Yeah, I said yet another episode of the Shock Factor Podcast, even though it's the first one of the season. But I'm getting ahead of it. I am I am stepping out. I'm putting out the notes app before the news can get to it, before Jordan can say, why'd you say yet another, as we did in 2023. But we are back, baby. The boys are back in town, one of college baseball's favorite songs to play. We are joined here on the Shock Factor podcast. Of course, I am your host, Stephen Shock. That is the beautiful Jordan Schusterman. And that is Jake Mintz, who's also beautiful. I wanted him to be on the edge of his seat, though. I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave with the compliment. I wanted him to see, I wanted to see the reflexes, the reactions. I took a psychology class my freshman year. And you guys have to deal with the gen ed requirements and the consequences mm. of me thinking I'm a psychologist. But fellas, as we veer towards the 2024 season, how are we doing? An unbelievable introduction, Stephen Shock. As chaotic as ever, I see that the offseason did not put you on a different path. You have continued down your journey of being the one and only biggest donkey. I, Jake Mintz, I am doing well. Got a haircut yesterday. I look a little bit like a cartoon character. Uh, I had a friend describe me. They said, you look whiter. Mm, okay. Which is, you know, which is, got- by the way, uh, a, a good transition to the fact that, you know, we're, we're recording this on on video here. We're going to have the, the shock yeah. factor pod here. You're going to see our faces. And so if you've listened, by the way, I'm Jordan. This is your first time listening to the shock factor <laughs> with me, Steve and Jake. You will now know what we all look like and, and how much you will now understand our either confusion or delight when Steve is either going on a random tangent or talking about a player that doesn't exist or, <laughs> or anything. But now also you can see Jake's new haircut uh, and uh, Steve and I's hats. So very exciting stuff. I'm excited I, to be back, Steve. I'm so excited to be back, Jordan. This is, this is joy. This is the epitome of joy. And the college baseball season is only a week away. Steve, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. You know, this was one of the most tumultuous off seasons I've had in my life. And I've had off seasons where my training was working at state farm. So, you know, that, that doesn't, that doesn't come without a lot of weight, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, this off season up until about a week ago, we were nervous, of course, as a podcast, because, you know, the NCAA came down and they came down hard. Jake and Jordan are in the transfer portal a little bit right now with other careers and other endeavors they are going down in life. And we were we were a little bit worried. We were a little bit worried that the law was going to catch us, that Jake and Jordan were going to be silenced. Their their First Amendment right, the freedom of speech was going to be just absolutely infringed upon. I don't know the amendment order or the numbers. That seems right though. But just like but just like you, Steve, our amateurism remains intact. Our eligibility is still it's alive, is forever, <laughs> is eternal. Steve and proved that. <laughs> Steve proved that in his speech. Uh and yes, we are back for yet another season of the Shock Factor baseball podcast. I'm Jake Vince. That's Jordan Schuster. And Steve, do you want to get into it? Yeah, well, let's get right into it. And yeah, I, I want to start off with, first of all, with the shy factor this season, Jake and Jordan, they're going to be here every week. Mike Rooney was here all off season. We thank him for his service. We love Mike Rooney. <laughs> Getting to talk to Mike Rooney once a week, that was a gift. I don't, I don't know if I could even call it doing work because it wasn't. It was, it was going out and having fun. And 
that's going to continue. Mike Rooney will still be joining us for an episode a week this this spring because it's not fall spring, anymore. No more fall ball, Steve. Come on. I got over, so darling. used. I got so used to Mike Rooney. He was my pumpkin spice latte. I associated him with the fall very heavily. Now he's my all year drink, the everyday driver. You can't you can't beat it. You know it, it's a very it's a very good thing we got going on here at the Shock Factor Podcast. And this one I'm excited for because I, I've missed you guys. I've missed you guys very much. So let let's just let's just go right into it. You want to get into the top ten storylines of this offseason? Yeah. So Steve, you know, before we're gonna do you know a couple couple season preview episodes going into opening day. We are recording this on Friday, a week before this season will begin. And and Steve, not to make you jealous, but I believe I will be hanging out with Mike Rooney IRL during opening weekend in Arizona. So again, try not to get too jealous, but I am glad that Rooney will continue to appear on this show, but it is called the shock factor for a reason. It is about Steve and Steve's love for the game. And we are just lucky to be a part of it. But for our season preview, we did want to just deliver, keep it simple, 10 storylines. We are looking forward to, uh, for one reason or another. And so we have our list of 10, nine of which I totally understand the 10th of which Steve is going to have to explain to us. And I can't wait, <laughs> but that's what we are going to do today on this first episode of the season. And I think there's an, an obvious place to start, Steve, uh, and that's at the top. Uh, go Tigers, as they say. The defending champion LSU Tigers are going to be pretty good again. I think we feel pretty good about that. But how good in particular? Because last year, they were essentially an all-star team, uh, most notably headlined by the two top picks of the draft, Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. They've moved on to professional endeavors. Shame on them. Why didn't they stay in Baton Rouge? That looked like so much fun. Uh, the answer is millions of dollars. But Steve... LSU, when I say LSU this year, of course, there's still some familiar faces like Tommy Tanks. But the question is, can they defend their crown or be in the mix to defend their crown uh, with a slightly less famous uh, baseball team? When I say LSU, what are you thinking? Well, well, I immediately think about the fact that if I'm Paul Skeens, I'm probably coming back. You know, uh, I'm probably going to want to run it back, do it all again, play college baseball with my friends. I get why he goes. But I, I think with LSU, there's a lot of reason to be excited because they returned a ton of talent. You know, they they have Ethan Frey, who Coach Johnson told us last season at Round Rock next year in 2024, he's going to be the Golden Spikes winner. He also <laughs> told us he was going to win the College World or he had a good feeling they could win the College World Series. They did that. So now I, I, I believe the credibility is there. So I think he is someone to watch. But I, I think with them, they're going to have a ton of new talent on the mound that is going to be a lot of fun to watch emerge. I think this is the year Christian Little is also going to really be who everyone's expected him to be as a college baseball player. And so I, I just think there's a reason, a, a ton of reason for excitement around LSU, but also a ton of legitimate reason to believe they could be really good again this season. I think the question that no one's asking about LSU is Jay Johnson on the hot seat? Because it's February 9th. <clears throat> They've yet to win a game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we know a, in Baton Rouge, I mean, the standards there. It's a up. demanding fan base. Mm-hmm. And Jay Johnson's not even from there. So is it time to worry? Is yeah. it time to worry? The answer to that is, is actually going to be no. Uh, and that's because they won the national championship this year. Now, the thing with a team like LSU, right? So they lose Cruz and they lose skeins like to the two most famous college baseball players last year probably the two best college baseball players last year 
But for a program like LSU, there's so much talent behind them that we didn't really get to see. And so I'm excited about like Jared Jones. Remember seeing him in person? It was like, why are you not a tight end in the NFL (laughs) right now? That's one. Paxton Kling, long hair, don't care. Mm-hmm. Excited to see if he can get some more playing time. Wonder if he got a haircut. Wonder if he got a haircut. Doubt it. <laughs> uh, and then the freshman on that team I'm excited about is Cam Johnson. Yeah. Who turned down mm-hmm. quite a bit of coin to go be a Tiger. I would imagine that he's still receiving some coin to be a Tiger. <laughs> he throws like 97 with his left hand. Quick Cam Johnson story. A kid I coach up here in New York faced Cam Johnson at a showcase and came back and was like, I need to get in the gym. Uh, because he had his doors, he had <laughs> his doors do blown off by Cam yeah. Johnson. So, yeah, that. I mean, LSU is going to be good. They are not going – last year was generational. It was singular. It was unique. What Skeens and Cruz did will maybe never be replicated on one team together. So those expectations can't be that high. But they're still hot. Like, it's still LSU. Yeah, and I would just say uh, quickly before I kick it back to you, Steve, I'm glad you mentioned the pitching because I do think that – Last year, I mean, they were just bludgeoning teams, right? And the pitching sort of showed up at the end. Of course, they had Skeens, and we had some big, you know, Riley Cooper showing up at the end of the season. They had some big bullpen performances. This year, with guys like Luke Holman, Gage Jump, now we have some big-time arms that are coming, and I think that herd's going to be even better. They have guys like Cam Johnson, you know, freshman on the mound, um, that could be impacting them. So maybe it is a little bit more of a balanced team. And Tommy White's still there, which is freaking awesome. You mentioned Ethan Fry and... Jared Jones, both those guys. I mean, I still wonder where Ethan Fry is going to get his at-bats, but I am excited to see, you know, when he plays. And then, guys, how have we talked this long about LSU without mentioning our man Hayden Trevinsky? Talk about a, an LSU through and through. You know, they've they've brought in all of these, all of these all stars from tra- from the transfer portal from different parts of the country, and they're recruiting from all over the place. But this team still has some Louisiana soul. Louisiana soul. And and Hayden Travinsky is absolutely that. And by the way, it's not like he's just some grit and grind, you know, bench guy. The dude slugged like 700. Is he still still on his parents' health care? Can he... He can rent a car with no extra fees, I believe. He sure looks that that old. Um, But we love love Hayden, and and I'm excited to see him get another... uh, another uh, season of, of ABs. So yeah, LSU, I mean, again, they're, obviously they're going to be compelling no matter what, even if they're slightly less famous. So any last thoughts on LSU, Steve, before we move to our second I, topic? I just love the note, the scouting report of, okay, coach, I'm going to face Cam Johnson this weekend. Come home. I, I need to be better. That guy is so good. He, he got me so good, made me look so bad that I am inspired that I need to be better. Of course, we got to mention Maryland product. We all, we always love yeah, seeing guys from true. Maryland have success. Very a true. fellow Washington Catholic or Christian Athletic Conference former <laughs> player, former alumni. The the few differences between me and Cam Johnson, though, if you look closely, he throws ninety seven from the left side. I threw oh. eighty seven with a lot of sink. Not when I was in high school like he did, but I again they and then you you mentioned so many talented players with LSU and then. You have the core of veterans too, like Alex Malazzo and yeah. Nate Ackenhausen, who's going to do it on the mound for him. So, I, I mean, there's just like so many different guys to be excited about. They are so deep as a team. Yeah. And let's remember uh, the last time we saw Alex Malazzo, what, what was happening? You remember, Steve? Yeah. Broken, broken fibula. 
But he was being carried by Paul Skeens to the championship dog pile. But now I believe he's healthy and will be will be cashing for them. So yeah. Now speaking of Skeens and Cruz, they weren't just important to LSU last season. They were important to the sport as a whole. Cruz and Skeens and LSU crossed over into the larger baseball consciousness and became a real storyline of the sports season with how dominant they were. So our second topic, the superstar void. Can anybody cross over enough to become a big deal in American society? Be- besides Steve. <laughs> Steve just does that of every course. time he, he hits post. Like, like here, here's a way to think about it. <clears throat> Can anyone go to the ESPYs? Hmm, that's a pretty That's a good bar. thought. My uh, my junior year of college, our basketball team went to the ESPYs, actually. Okay. Very That's random. the closest you got to the ESPYs. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> as close as I ever got. Felt very weird. They didn't win. Felt like felt like a, a lot of money spent on a plane ticket. You know? Steve, who you got? Who's your pick for, for getting – like, who's going to be famous? Travis Bazan is going to be mega star famous because everybody's going to love him. You know, he he's the type of baseball player where if you're a guy, you watch him and it's like, wow, that's cool. And, you know, you hear him talk, you watch him just like that's true. a human being. And it's like, wow, that guy's super cool. Like, Agreed. He, he's got super cool stuff. Everything he does is elevated. My opinion of Australian people is significantly better because of what Travis Bazana puts out there as a human being. And then you mix in the fact that he's hitting like 370 last season. It's like, okay, this guy, this guy is superstar potential written all over him. And he knows it. He has that confidence with him, but he's also very humble about it. So he he's definitely a guy I think he's gonna take the world by storm. Humble doesn't do crossover superstardom. I think okay, so he's Travis opposite of that. Yeah, Travis Bazana is 21. That's important mm-hmm. for what I'm about to say. Do you guys know what a shoey is? <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I'm familiar so. with the shoey. You're familiar with the shoey? So it, I believe it, it did start in Australia. Correct okay. me if I'm really? wrong. I think, I think it is an Australian thing. It's where you I pour want... an, an entire oh, beer okay, into a yep. shoe, and then you drink it from the shoe. I think if we want Bazana to really cross over to the national market, he needs to lean into his Aussiedom and he needs to crack open a Foster's. Like, be a stereotype. <laughs> Pour it into a shoe. Into an UGG. No, into an UGG. An UGG. Pour, like, hit a bomb. Drop a bomb. Pour a Foster's into an UGG. And that's how we go to the next level. I think, Steve, just I, – I love Travis Bassana. I think the two guys I would pick to, like, really be a big fucking deal this year are Jack Caglione. Because he does both, and Brody Brecht, because he throws 101 miles an hour. Thoughts on that? Jordan? That's fair. Yeah. So right, because because with with Bazana, like I do think that the Australian part will help him, but like you're like, oh, he could hit 370. That's nice. That the average sports fan does not care about that. If he's hitting 500, which I suppose is like within the realm of possibility, you know, like I think for him and JJ Weatherholt, amazing baseball players. But they're going to have to be either have some hit streak that lasts the whole season. Like, that's the only way they're going to crack through on a statistical level. Whereas to Jake's point, I think what, what Caglione is capable of two-way, and, and if especially if, this, if the talent on the mound gets ironed out the way we've heard it maybe has this fall, 
that's what we want to see as casual. Again, it's the reason why a big reason why Otani broke through at a major league level. Like, even if you know vaguely, like, yeah, okay, two way players have existed in college. Caglione, because of the physical potential to both lead the league, lead the country in home runs, and then throw the ball 100 miles an hour from the left, like that is going to make people want to tune in and watch. Same thing with Brody Breck. Like he's just throwing pitches that you can't even necessarily see at the major league level. And so while I think being at Iowa is not necessarily going to help that, hey, Caitlin Clark's a pretty big freaking deal. So I have to imagine that there's a way to, you know, get the Hawkeye brand out there. Jordan, Jordan's like, yeah, it must be. It's so hard to be a famous collegiate at the University of Iowa. Jordan, may I direct you to the most famous right. college That's, athlete I, in America? Dude, and I, let me tell you, man. It's And so I don't know if Birdie Wreck will necessarily be selling out road games um, the way that Caitlin Clark is scaling out South scout sections, but you know, it's not quite, Can you imagine, dude? I still think, yeah, I mean it, to me, it's, it's CAGs and everybody else, but I am excited to see if, if Brody Brecht is throwing strikes. Oh my God. Iowa rolls into East Lansing, just selling out the game against <laughs> Michigan state. Right. I, I don't know. I don't, I would look at the Iowa road schedule and see where they're going to really pack the house. What you got, Steve? Yeah. I think another guy to kind of consider up there in the discussion with Brody Brecht is going to be Hagen Smith out of Arkansas. Cause and Chase Bird. Same thing. Just kind of comes from the left side. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, that's true. It, it's a, d- a different look. And it, I, again, un- unfortunately, like the SEC is going to have the advantage in terms of the, wa- the view, you know, watchability and, and just the general viewer view count and likelihood that it will get retweeted more times. Uh, but there are definitely some other pitchers that, that could jump through. But yeah. to me, it's, it's Caglione and everybody else. Uh, also, like... Brecht could just throw a pitch 104. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, and like that's, yeah. mm-hmm. that's enough. Like, that's really hard. And then, the, then if he hits 104, it's like, can he break Chapman's record with if he like works out a little bit more? You know, I mean, like, now, just be careful, Brody Brecht. But yes, I would also like to see that. <laughs> Jake, I have a question for you on that. So when I yeah. talked to him and I asked him about throwing 104, he said, well, on track, man, it was actually just 102.7. If you <laughs> were in his shoes where on the gun, it says 104 on the on the broadcast, track man says 1027, would you just go, no, that's 104? No. Or would you go by the track man? You go I'm by going, the track man. I'm going, I've always gone higher number is the writer number. <laughs> well, I think that's because you threw 83, Steve, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But speaking about uh picking up the pace, yeah. this let's this do po- that. This podcast. Uh next topic. One of the biggest fights or disagreements we got into last year, Steve, was how far and how hard baseballs were traveling. Uh <laughs> It felt like, like very related to what we were just talking about. It's very like, related. Oh, do every, I want to know how far that actually went? Yes. Every 10 seconds, it felt like there was another guy we'd never heard of hitting a ball 117. And Steve Straub, as the uh, amplifier of college baseball, was to let everyone know about that. Meanwhile, Jordan and I, the professional baseball journalist guys, were like, Steve, that's not right. Like, that doesn't make sense. Giancarlo Stanton does this like four times a year. Or it is right. And that means that the balls and or the bats are just like crazy. Correct. It's possible that the balls were coming off the bat at 117. 
but we're just here to say that's not normal. <laughs> so, yeah. what? So, not that it's bad, Stephen. Again, this is where I'm going to kick it to you. But I, my question, and this is our number three storyline, is like, what is the, what is the environment this year in terms of exit it's hotter and homers and whatever, and and the weather relates to that too. So, Steve, what do you think? Look, technology is only getting better. Hell yeah, dude. That's the thing about technology. That's the cool thing about it. And speaking of technology and baseball bats getting better, have you guys heard of the Soldier Tank BB Core baseball bat by Soldier Sports? Look at Steve. What a freaking professional. Go ahead. This isn't just any bat. It's lighter and hotter than any of its predecessors. And this is thanks to its infused power alloy technology that creates an ultra big, ultra hot sweet spot. Crafted from over two and a half years of research and development, the Soldier Tank is the perfect blend of speed and power, designed for both power and contact hitters. Jake, Jordan, you guys like math? Here's math for you. Speed (laughs) times mass times impact equals extreme power. I've seen it swung. Even the mishits have juice with the Soldier Tank. The Mm. bat is priced at an incredible $311, which is well worth it to swing the top-scoring BB Core bat ever. Ever. They're selling fast, though, so head over to soldiersports.us to secure yours today. Wow. If I got one of these to hit fungos to my (laughs) nine-year-olds, I might send some of them to the hospital. (laughs) Wouldn't be safe. That is not what it was recommending uh, for why you want a soldier. So that's a hell of a name for a bat. I got to say, Steve, you've sold me. Like Okay. Well, that's good. If I'm a coach, you know, in the big south, and I'm like, we, we need these bats. We need these. Right now. You know who you needs were, them? The Big West. <laughs> you were just we get, missing out on home runs. If you we get a few more swimming. home runs over there uh, on the West Coast. Yeah, please anyway. ship a few out. Uh, Might as well. It. But the home runs, they're yeah. up. And I, I think a big reason for it, technology is getting better. That's a, that's a big piece of it. But the reason they're happening so frequently, it's just the pitch clock. Everybody's sped up which in turn leads to pitchers throwing worse pitches because they're rushed and hitters, they have to swing faster because now they're on the clock, you know? So I think the faster swings, <laughs> the faster swings to get the swing in before the pitch clock violation. Incredible. Three, Incredible two, take. One psychology comes in three, two, one. Gotta go. Oh, oh, fast. So, Gotta go through the zone faster. Steve take, Steve's take is pitch clock equals Increase in bat speed. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Oh, man. I will say, <laughs> now, Steve, um, can, I, can I just say, like, I'm glad you mentioned the pitch clock because, again, we, we got it last year, and, and it is definitely still relevant. I am curious. I would push back and say, oh, like, players will be more used to it now, and so pitchers will not have as many crappy pitches thrown because of the pitch clock because they're more used to it and all those things, whatever. But, you know, it, it, it's all related. And I do think as much as we can speculate and, you know, put our conspiracy hats on and say, oh, my God, the bats are juiced, the balls are juiced, whatever. Like, I think you're right. Like, and not just because of that compelling ad read. Like, yeah, the bats are probably more technologically perfectly designed to hit home runs. So, like, that's, that's fine. Okay. You know, when people really loved baseball the most was when the balls were going over the fence at a I record rate in the late 90s. And that's so awesome. if this is the – I'm fine with this being the environment. As long as, like, we know this is the environment. That's it, right? Yeah. It's not like global warming. We're not going to die because balls are going over the fence. Like, my great-grandkids aren't going to not see a polar bear because, you know, the ball's going off at 119 miles an hour. Well, 
I, I don't think my great-grandkids are seeing a polar bear because, you know, the the consequences of seeing a polar bear. They're, they only eat meat, Jake. They don't eat food. They don't eat plants. They, they're born killers. Polar bears are dangerous. If you see one, run away if you're listening. But speaking of confusion on the mound, speaking of, you know, getting rushed a little bit, Another reason home runs are going to be up is because pitchers are going to be very confused, especially in the CAA. And that's because our next storyline, what conference am I in? If I am at Elon and I am pitching, I'm like, okay, just another day pitching in the Kaloa Coastal well, Athletic and then you fall, Association. And then you just like fall down and then throw it no. down the middle. Hello, 85, right down the pipe. That ball is out of here. We got tons of schools moving, tons of conferences. The great news is, though, if you are into like, hey, what what conference is the school? And just go to d1baseball.com, click teams. Has the answer <laughs> yeah, for you. Got you. They we keep got it you. updated. Kendall and the boys have been on it all offseason long. They keep it updated. It's incredible as if it changes during the season. It feels, yeah. it feels that it way. Might. It's it might. It could. I do, love, I do love that on like every other D1 baseball podcast, which includes ours during the season. Like it's true on the website, it is accurate and you can trust it. <laughs> but I love that whenever any of these teams come comes up, there's like a pause and Rudy's like, hold on, like one second, let me strap in here. Okay, <laughs> FAU is in the American. I hope I'm right about that. I wake up every morning and I ask, who am I? Okay. <laughs> Steve, you ever have a night out and you wake up the next morning and you say, where am I? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's college baseball right how, now. How a many bit. teams are in the Big Twelve? It is a yeah. carousel. It is a carousel. It is complicated. There will be a pop quiz next podcast. Okay, so I would like both of you to prepare. We all know that I'm never going to remember it because that's not how my brain works. Okay, I have ADHD. Firmly in Jordan's job. Of the yeah. So it. next, next, next episode, just prep. Okay, we got a lot of conference mm-hmm. realignment. Okay, so for for this, Jake, I'm going to give you one little cheat sheet, one little study guide. There's one that you absolutely cannot forget, and it's Liberty moving into Conference USA because that just makes sense. It's like the LSU Tigers changing to the to the Tiger Exhibit Conference. They need to add Life University and Pursuit of Happiness University so that they can really (laughs) nail all three. Life U. <laughs> the school of school of life, the school life of, state, life, life's technical, life A and M. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how you pull that one off. I then we have the colonial is now called the coastal, um, which is a good time to mention that this week's episode is also sponsored by the Atlantic Ocean, uh, oh, and wow. the Atlantic Ocean. The Atlantic Ocean has now sponsored an entire conference, another conference, the Atlantic Coast Conference. We know all about that. But the Coastal Conference, okay, the co- the Coastal Collegiate Association, is that it? Coastal no, the Conference. Coastal, coastal Athletic Association. It was uh, yeah. Athletic Association. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks I, to the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, they're always supporting it's, us. It's just Nick and Knight. It, it's the wetter the better. And off network. Yeah. But uh, again, like we, you know, we got some new teams in the America, new teams in Conference USA, and then the Big Twelve, right? This is the big, the big, the biggest change I think that we'll really have to get used to. Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, and BYU 
now officially uh, Big 12 country. Big 12 country now extends to Utah, to Central Florida, uh, and then all the way up here um, to the Midwest here in uh, in Ohio. I'm excited to be living. You know, I live uh, sort of near Cincinnati. I'm in Big 12 country now. It ain't the little 12, big dog. But it's not just the mid-majors that are changing, okay? No. Power five, which in our sport is really the power four, is in its last year of life. And that is our next topic. Yeah, our number five storyline is that this is this is it. This is the power five will never, never be the same after 2024. And in 2025, things will get very different. So it's it's one thing. I'm, I'm seeing here. One second. Conference USA and whatever. But this is really when uh, it's going to get wacky. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. I'm seeing here, Steve, that something called the Packeroni and 12 is not mm-hmm. going to exist next year. What does that mean? Yeah. So what that means, they're switching to Annie's, the Annie shell, the white cheddar, <laughs> oh. Annie's white cheddar shell um, mac and cheese. It's not going to be the Packeroni and 12. It, I was really rooting for them. Um, they got to a point where there are only three teams left this offseason. I was really rooting for the Pack Pie. Where, you know, the pack 3.14 institutions where, you know, maybe they get a few California schools to play, play games against them too, to fill in that 0.14, whatever the rest of the number. Two, six, five, three, five, eight, nine, seven, nine. Yeah, I got you. Sorry, Steve. (laughs) You're going to activate my sleeper cell if you keep firing those bad boys off. Um, but yeah, no, just seeing the Pac-12 fizzle out and die was strange. Um, wasn't on my bingo card for 2023, but it, it's kind of something that's happening. And, you know, while it was fun, it was a great run. The Pac-12 had a great time. Now the rest of the schools that were in it are just going to essentially go on a tirade of making conferences change their names, I believe. I believe that's oh, I, I, I don't know. Is that is that are we changing the names of the are we finally gonna adjust the numbers to reflect the number of schools that are in these conferences? No, I, no never I, I I no, no, that the number 17 schools, it's still the big ten. Number is fine by me, and I know I might ruffle our sponsors' feathers here, but the ACC, what are we talking about here? That's Stanford. They aren't on the Atlantic coast. <laughs> Whoa. That is just a blatant lie. The Colonial Athletic Conference, they said, you know what? Williamsburg, that's pretty colonial. The 13 colonies, sure. But you know what? We're more so on the coast. Let's just go with the coast. That's honest. That's so honest stuff. Just to review, this year for the Power Five is pretty much the same as last year, except for those changes to the Big 12 that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Next year, Cal and Stanford are going to the ACC. Hilarious. Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. Makes somewhat more sense. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah will also be joining the Big 12. And then Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA will be going to the Big 10. Washington State, out in the cold. Oregon State, out in the cold. Yeah, we're still waiting on those, right? In our sport, Washington State, respectfully, is less relevant. Oregon State, their baseball program, it, as far as I understand, is one of their best sports at Oregon State. Yeah. And they're, it appears that they're going to go independent for a number of years after this year. And so a storyline within this that I'm very interested in is Oregon State, with one of the largest chips on the shoulder ever, <laughs> trying to win the Pac and Aronian 12 in its final year of existence, 
after they were left out in the cold, right? So it's like, that's not a chip on the shoulder. That's a whole fucking potato. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. And, and also, again, I think the, the funniest thing- You can't that, fire me, I'm leaving! There, you know, <laughs> when you think about this whole realignment and all this stuff, which is just, I mean, it's an obvious reality, but like baseball has nothing to do with this. All of this is driven by other sports. And so we're just kind of along for the ride in this absurd ride. And especially for a team like, for a school like Oregon State, where baseball is, you know, premier program, they are the school that is truly left in such a bizarre spot. So I agree with you, Jake. I think they are definitely the team that, that is most interesting in all of this. But thankfully, we can at least enjoy and appreciate relatively normal geographic uh, conferences for one final season. Yeah, I, I think there's unfinished business and there's returning to your business and it, it's been flooded and also set on fire. So there is a lot to be said. I do think, though, 2024 is the year that the beaver will rise up from the ashes like the mighty phoenix, build a hell of a dam in the Missouri River and camp out in Omaha <laughs> a little bit, you know, just mm. for a little bit. No, I, I think they, they're loaded. Agreed. Um, damn. <laughs> damn. Damn those beavers. Damn those beavers. Damn. <laughs> uh, I'm going to see those beavers, I think, in Arizona. I'm excited to see uh, uh, Travis Bazzano down there in all right that's fine we're halfway home gents let's move on to our sixth storyline and that is also a matter of of uh movement and change it's one that we've certainly gotten used to over the last couple of years it is of course the transfer mania we've already mentioned it a little bit and our sixth and seventh storylines are, are kind of two sides of this coin so let's do the first obvious one once again the portal was absolutely bananas and we have some of the best players in the country moving all over the place. Now, again, I think it's interesting because we've been so used to saying, oh, okay, well, everyone's going to the SEC. And yes, largely, we had uh, a lot of that. But I think when you see a school like Wake Forest bringing in Chase Burns out of the SEC, you see them bring in a top D2 player like Seaver King into the ACC. You know, obviously, you go to D1 Baseball's top, top transfers. I mean, yeah, I think 17 of the top 20 are in the SEC. Okay, that's not an accident. At the same time, we know that there's a big... I think what a coincidence! I'm, what I'm most interested in in terms of these transfers, and, and Steve, I'll kick it to you to, to highlight some of the other ones that, that interest you, is right now we still have... I, I am interested in, in the different kind of flavor of transfer where you have the breakout underclassman who wants to go test himself at the higher level. And then you have just the old guy who's got another year of eligibility and wants to, you know, maximize and maybe he's 24. I'm looking at a guy, what we should have mentioned earlier, Mac Bingham, who was at Arizona, follows Jay Johnson now a couple of years late to LSU. That's an old, old, old guy that could put up some big numbers um, in the SEC. So I'm just interested in the different kind of categories of transfer that we have. But Steve, is there any, I, I mean, again, there's no shortage, but are there any guys that you specifically wanted to shout out in terms of transfers we're looking forward to? I mean, there's so many of them that, you know, this whole season, all season long, I'm going to essentially just have the top transfer list printed <laughs> out in my pocket because there's so many, but I mean, you get unlimited talent in the portal this offseason. You get guys like Braden Montgomery, who it's like, okay, I need a right fielder, but I also need a pitcher. 
Okay, we got that. There, there's literally everything you need in the transfer portal. There's multiple two-way guys. But I really – my favorite kind of transfer will always be the guys who – they went to a small school. A lot of people didn't want to take a chance on them. They make a name for themselves. Then they transfer to the big school, and then they go and make another – make a name for themselves there too. So get like, another name. <laughs> this season – Honestly, you do get another name. And in this case, I think there's no better guy to shout out than Wahiwa Aloy from Sac State. And the reason I say that, I said his name completely wrong, but that's how everyone was pronouncing his name. I saw a video of, you know, of Arkansas's head coach. He's standing there in a press conference. He says, throw the W's out, focus on the V sound. It's Wahiwa Aloy. And now he's Vahiva Aloy at Arkansas. So is that a new name? I don't know, but now I know how to say his name better, which I'm very thankful for. And I think he's going to absolutely tear it up. As a freshman at Sac State, he – Steve, he you pronounced it wrong. Vahiva? I just watched uh, – now, again, maybe Dave Van Horn isn't the guy. <laughs> I was about to well, well, no, no. I feel it was a recent video. That's why I trust it because it's like, okay, just spent a whole fall around. Me. I, so I am curious. So, yeah, Dave Van Horn says, he says, Vaheva. Vaheva. Yeah. Vaheva. Okay. I was There's a difference there. You, you were focusing on the V's, but not necessarily. Yeah. I, I was really, I was saying the hell out of those V's. I was. Now, I don't know if Dave Van Horn has been to Hawaii. Um, but I'm going to roll with his pronunciation here. Sorry, Steve. Continue with Wehewa Aloy. That's fair. No, I just, I'm very excited to watch him. I think another guy, small school to big school, of course, Seaver King, yeah. transferring from Wingate, which is by no means a small school. They're nice It's not Lusegate. No, it's not. It, and also, <laughs> some people deal. call it Wingate. Wingate. They, Wingate? They, Wingate? They kind of skip the A. We um, don't practice. We just wing it. <laughs> And we're just going to show up, wing it. And it wing works. It. it works for him. They won national championship. And it, now he's transferred from a D2 to Division One Wake Forest. He's going to be exciting to watch. Cannon Peebles is another guy. He was, oh, yeah. you know, I'm sorry, NC State. You, you had another star freshman get get, get booted to the portal. <laughs> and, well, not get booted. You know, it's all decisions <laughs> They made, booted but, themselves to the point. Yeah, the self-boot. And that's okay. Sometimes the self-boot comes. I experienced the self-boot. But I, I'm serious. There are so many transfers in college baseball. It, it's going to be really hard to keep up, but you're going to love them. I got a under-the-radar one, if I may share. Please. Please do. Omar Melendez. Oh, this is a, this is a great one. I'm, I'm, I didn't know you knew about Omar Melendez, so, so I'm excited to – Hear what you found. I was excited about him when I saw where he transferred. So go ahead. Six six Puerto mm-hmm. Rican lefty transferring from Alabama State to Maryland. Yes, Maryland is a team I'm very interested in. I think we'll talk a little bit more about them in our next pod. But going from uh, Alabama State up to Maryland from Puerto Rico, like this is this I, could be very interesting. I'm, I'm very fascinated. I'm fascinated by the. Recruiting and, there, I'm fascinated by the fact. Again, he was like a swack, you know, ace. He's really young for the class. His numbers were been, insane last year. Yeah, I mean, his he numbers threw 93 were innings with the two five two, more than a K. He will be draft eligible um, as a really young for the class. You know, big left hander. So yeah, that's a, that's a great one. That is, I don't know where. I'm curious where he ranks on the uh, 84 on the on the top 130 transfers. That's a great one. But I am and, glad you mentioned that because Steve just we mentioned Steve King. Like that is another category that's obviously means a lot to us as as you know D3 alums from D2 to D3 junior college 
those guys I love seeing come up and make a really big impact, whether yeah. it's grad transfer or even younger. So now the the last one I want to say before we change gears here a little bit, college baseball ha- doesn't have the following dynamic often. Wow, it's weird seeing this guy in a new uniform. In pro <laughs> sports, like Reese Hoskins, right? He was in Philly forever. Now he's finally on a different team. It's going to be weird to see him in a Brewers uniform. Peyton Chatagnier <laughs> being on TCU is a very rare example of, whoa, he was at Ole Miss for three decades. He is going to look like weird it. in a new uniform. We don't get that a lot, but now we have that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, no, we have grad transfers, but no, I agree. That's a good one, especially when you're associated with an SEC school for so long. Sorry, Steve, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm right there with you. I, I just like – he was Ole Miss baseball for a long time. Ever since the Alcorn State steal every base against the team, he was doing it. But in a world full of transfers, in a world where everything is different, we it, it begs the question, who doesn't have a million transfers? Who's yeah. going to stay the same? And, and who's going to be the best at staying the same? And, yeah. It, this was something that Steve and I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Like, And I feel like I need to do more research into this. Um to kind of find the team that hasn't relied on transfers uh, to an extreme degree, because, you know, you might, your first thing. And, and, okay. I mean, I have a very, I have one very quick answer. That's pretty <laughs> obvious, but before we get to that, like, I, I do think just, just as a concept, yes, Steve, like I'm so interested in this. Like, again, it's not a matter of shaming the teams that are in the portal. I mean, that's just college baseball in 2024. Like, that's fine. I, I get it. I'm not, it is what it is at the same time, you know, it's, I am also intrigued to see which teams have the most guys that showed up together as freshmen, you know? And there's one school that stands out in that regard for obvious reasons. We can get to them. But, but Steve, yeah, I mean, have you found any other ones besides maybe the obvious one that we're going to mention? I'm going to say the one that really stands out to me is ECU, just from yeah. a culture standpoint. They'll bring in transfers. It's new. Cliff Godwin, he'll do it. He'll bring in transfers. I feel like he won't go out and look for transfers. It's more of a he'll stumble upon a guy and be like, you play for me. And it kind of happens. But I was interested to see that. I believe looking at the list on DWBaseball.com, they are the highest ranked team that did not bring in a transfer in the top 130. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And, and again, that's a, that's a school that has their recruiting has, has done so well. Um, and they didn't even get Mike Trout to campus. I mean, think about mm. that, you know, they, what, what could have been, but I think that's a great way to put it. The other school that stands out to me in this regard is, is Stanford, right? I mean, that's something that we noticed when we saw them in, in, uh, in Omaha. Um, and that's not surprising, right? You, you think, okay, well, where is it going to be hard to transfer? Probably Stanford. But I think that that is a difference. You know, you look at some other schools like Duke. They've had a lot of transfers now. It's D3 types. It's Ivy League types. And But a transfer is a transfer. You're bringing in outside talent. You're bringing in outside talent. So I think that to see, you know, a school like Stanford is still going to stand. And I'm curious if that's ever going to change. I don't know how that would change. Um, but I, I am curious about that because even like Wake Forest, another strong academic school, we know they're they're going hard in the portal at this point. So um, that's a great note about ECU, Jake. That's a, that's a really good way to put it. So I think that really is our answer there. Um, yeah, that was a very quick cross reference, Jake. I got yeah, yeah, no, but I here. thanks to you. That's you off the top of your head. It's true. You pull up their starting lineup. It's like yeah, no, these these dudes have been in Greenville the, the whole time. So uh, re- respect to them makes it obviously makes it even even easier uh, to root for all of them. 
Um, all right, let's move. Uh, let's 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 uh, let's go to number eight here. Uh, speaking of yeah. transfers, I guess let's talk about Wake Forest. Um, yeah, got I mean, it. We could, we could have done them at the top. Um, you wrote here on the doc, Steve. Is Wake Forest good at baseball again? Uh, effing probably. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think they will be because, Oh, we got Jake tippy tapping. So we're going to learn about Wake Forest. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, listen, listen, it's very, to me, Wake Forest this year is in the same way with with LSU last year. It was just like the, the talent level is so overwhelming. Um, and this is with them losing, you know, Brett Louder, right? But like, you just look at it and you're just like, what, where is the hole? What is, what is the flaw in this team? And it, it is, it is hard to find when you have, they are the team that could have, you know, two top five picks or whatever, or multiple, three top 10 picks. And so, so yeah, so I think that, the, but the question is, it's just like, okay, are they now just a powerhouse and, and unlike anything else, are they just running away with the ACC? Right, the ACC we thought had a lot of competition at the top, but it seems like now they've sort of separated themselves. But yeah, there's there's a lot about Wake Forest that's interesting. So I think they do deserve to be in our top ten. Yeah, I think the better question wouldn't be, are they going to be good at baseball again? I think the better question would be, how long are they going to be as good as they are at baseball? Because it it feels like they really built something that's going to last pretty long down in Winston Salem. It it just feels right. It feels right to me. They do have a lot of transfers, but I, I feel like Wake is the team that when they get transfers, they really like are intelligent about who they're getting. Like they seem like they moneyball it where it's like, okay, this guy we're like woke forest. Hey, fine by me. If it mean, if it means we are maximizing these players' potential, sign me up. And and here's the thing, like I, I will say they are also going to have more of a LSU situation where, you know, Nick Kurtz, Seaver King, you know, they're, they're two in theory, you know, best position players. And then their top three starters, Josh Hartle, Chase Burns, Michael Massey, all of those guys are going to be picked in the top 50 picks, top 40. I mean, like that is going to be an absurd, uh, they could set all kinds of crazy draft records. So to your point, like how long? I mean, clearly the infrastructure is there, and I'm sure they'll bring in another you know slew of transfers next year. But this is an unbelievable opportunity that is is not going to come around very often to have this amount of talent on your team. So in that sense, there I feel like there's not that they disappointed in the way that their season ended last year. Of course, we got a classic in Omaha, but like. Like, I mean, you got to do it again. Like, it's so funny because last year's like, oh, finally going to Omaha. Like, Wake Forest better be in Omaha this year, or we're gonna have some, we're gonna have some problems here. Like, honestly, you know, that's that's kind of how I, I view them. They lost two first round picks, and Brock Wilkin mm-hmm. and Rhett Louder, and they're better. Yeah, and okay, I like think- I, I think that is just such an impressive accomplishment for this program which has gotten so much better over the last three years. I was fortunate enough to go down there in December for the bridge seminar that they do. And they're on a different level. They really are on a different level. What they've built is beyond impressive. And like, I, maybe this is why I like watching this program succeed Mm -hmm. because they are so intentional with how they do things. And I like it when good process rewards good results, which is kind of the opposite of Stephen Shock's playing career. Yeah, 
<laughs> that took me a little bit to think about the transitive properties of what that sentence meant, but we got there and I, I accept it. I accept it. I'm good with it. But I think another thing that really stands out about Wake Forest is like the players just really want to be there. Like Chase Burns transferred strictly because of the vibes. I mean, the pitching lab was a part of it, but when he, I when think, I, was I him, think he was like, my guess would be Steve, to be honest with you, I'm going to fact check you there. I would guess that part of Chase Burns' decision to transfer, whether he said it or not, was because Wake Forest was more willing to let him start than Tennessee was. That's fair. That might be it, too. I just think that that's an important piece of the puzzle. It was part of it. It was accredited to how much fun he thought the team was having. Is is, is you're allowed to to start, is that a vibe? (laughs) That feels like a vibe vibe to me. And, and, Such a and part of that vibe of pitching at Wake Forest is hanging out with, of course, pitching coach Corey Muscara, who I'm friends with. But Booyah! I wow, think the reason it's important, forty, yeah, that's pretty good. But I think it's important that he comes up, and it's necessary he comes up because in 2024 in college baseball, there is going to be one staunch difference, and that is going to be the void it of tony rossi he's no longer the head coach at sienna he was the head coach of sienna when Corey muscara was there so it, it all and when Corey muscara was, was born, born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's been there he's been there a time or two but now they got a new coach who's like super young who, who do they got who so you guys know him right not personally uh <laughs> so Tony Ross, he was there for decades, decades and decades. I, what was the stat that we landed on the moon and then eight months yeah. later they hired Tony Rossi to be their baseball coach and then he ended his run last year? Okay. So they brought in a gentleman by the name of Alex Jersinski, who was a Princeton D3 guy who played at Oswego State, Jordan. Oh, yeah. Um, Lake Show. We, yeah, we love that Lake Show. And so – uh, Alex Drasinski, based on my uh, brief research, seems like he's in his mid to early 30s. So he would have to coach until he's 125 to catch <laughs> Tony Rossi. Uh, moving away from Siena, the current leader in the clubhouse, I believe, for the longest tenured manager in one place is John Anderson at Minnesota, who's yes. been there since 1982. So that is uh, Keith Gutton, I believe, who might have be also leaving after this year, has been at Missouri State since 1983. 83. So we have him. And then, you know, we have some other, of course, this is Gary Gilmore's last year at Coastal Carolina. He's been there since 96. Um, Danny Hall's been at Georgia Tech since 1994. He was coaching for a while before then. So, you know, we have some, but none of these guys can sniff Tony Rossi. And so whether it's John Anderson, whether, who, we'll see, you know, who who's going to make it known that like, oh, I'm gunning for Tony. Like, I'm going to go for it. You can't get rid of me because I have a record to set. And that's coaching at one place for 60 years or whatever. So, so you know, a long way to go. It's a, it's, a t- it's a tall task, but I'm curious. I think the good way for me to wrap my head around this, because I like to make things simple to in order to understand them is Tony Rossi was associated. He started coaching right when the moon landing was happening. John Anderson started. <laughs> allegedly. Coaching. Allegedly. Yeah, of course. Of course. Don't, don't want any, don't want any legal. Oh, the alleged moon landing. Yeah. And John Anderson started coaching at Minnesota 
when allegedly they filmed ET. So oh, you know, it's all about space. It all the documentary. Out. You mean it the documentary ET? Yeah, the biopic. Um <laughs> About that little worm dude coming down from the stars who's got like mad long distance phone b- minutes. But I, <laughs> it's it tough. I, I, I literally Googled 1982 facts and that was the first thing that popped up. I was like, what are the odds it's related to space? You know, Boom. we got you covered, bro. Um, Sometimes Google just knows. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we we're just really curious. Again, all all the the longest interview, it's just very very difficult for us to to wrap our mind around. But anyway, good but, luck to all those coaches, and we hope they all coach forever. Yeah, we <laughs> hope you all coach forever. But on the flip side of the coin, there's going to be some coaches that don't coach forever. And this is our final topic. Okay. Now our final storyline. Steve wrote. I'm going to read it verbatim. <laughs> okay. Okay. Steve wrote for our tenth storyline. And he bull- this is in italics also, so you know it's it's important here. You know Steve, Steve wrote. dropped the computer when he was typing that. Verbatim. <laughs> Quote, with the advances in technology, does the hot seat get hotter faster in 2024? Steve, what are you talking about? In college baseball, there are many tools to be good now. There are many tools, whether it be training tools, whether it be going and taking other people's good players. There's tools. Should coaches get fired faster for not being good quicker? Because there's tools that are in place to make you good quicker, you know? I I think that on Twitter, there's a lot of discourse every year. Whenever a coach does bad, it's immediately, let's fire this coach. Let's get them out of here. And it's immediate. And so I'm wondering... Is there more validity to those arguments when there are so many more tools for coaches to have success within these programs? No, because it's all relative. Well, I would say when we're talking about those tools, I do think this is interesting, even though you've brought it up in a very strange way, Steve. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And, and obviously Jake has some good insight on this as a, as a coach, um, because the, the key word here is resources, right? Yeah. Now, if you are a program that has resources and are choosing not to use them, I would say you could put that at the foot of the coach and say, what the hell? Or you are using them poorly. Or you're using them poorly, right? That is something something where uh, that is, I think, what you're bringing up maybe has some validity. However, you know, oh... Damn, St. Peter's and all oh, this school in the in the Mac Scorching. and the whatever isn't succeeding uh, because they're not, you know, using their their pitch lab isn't being built fast enough. It's like, well, what do you? What do you come on, just buy some <laughs> force plates, you idiot. <laughs> That's uh, they're not exactly, you know, rolling in the in the dough, and so I you're not going to blame the coaching staff there. So, but I am curious, Jake, your take on this because I think there's some validity to what Steve is saying, even though it's a kind of a strange way to bring it up. Yeah. Um. I think that you have to judge coaches based upon their specific situations, which is kind of what you said. And if a coach is doing a bad job of using the resources they have, or they are ideologically resistant to realities of the modern game, that then necessitates introspection and evaluation, right? So that can be they're resistant to NIL. 
or they're resistant and like their school has the money for NIL and they think NIL is stupid, that's, that's bad. If they think the portal is a waste of time and all the other teams in their conference are crushing it and they're losing games, that's bad. But I think, I think saying that like advances in tech, you either need to learn how to use it or get left behind. Yes, I agree with that. But I think that is more of a, like a longer term thing. Like, I don't think that that happens in like a year to year basis. Yeah, I think I think that's a better way of putting it. I think I'm, I do have to apologize because when you got to crushing it and winning games, that's when my brain snapped back on from all the big words you used at the start of your sentence. <laughs> I, I got to say, you went on a, just an absolute hot streak of SAT prep words. And my brain just like shut off for a second. That's, that's but, another thing you and Rudy share, where <laughs> where like like Joe Healy says a word and and Rudy's like, "Whoa, watch it!" <laughs> I was like, "Wow, dude, Mike Rooney freaking out about the word diaspora was like, you are not Jewish." <laughs> so funny. I don't know how to spell that. What's anyway, diaspora? <laughs> that's uh, see, we got to teach Steve also. Anyway, um, to your point, Steve, I think I think this is again like coaching changes like we have 41 new head coaches i believe in d1 baseball this year and like clearly there is in certain because of the coverage changes because certain teams remember here's another storyline we didn't include how about just like a really good program just randomly finishes in last place this is just the thing that's been happening uh louisville Ole miss dude florida state last year like oh my god right let alone the Ole miss mississippi state so like we're gonna have like we're gonna be positive here on the shock factor they're going to be some messy situations that we don't necessarily see coming. And, and I think that it is all kind of tied together in terms of like Jake saying, you, you got to keep up somehow, uh, whether that is through technology, whether that is through player development, whether that is through the transfer portal, whether that is through recruiting, whatever it's all, all those things are, are related. So um, it's interesting, but uh, Steve, uh, we're coming up on an hour. We have another yeah. podcast to record. We're, we're, we're doing our other one. I'm very excited for that. We're going to record that in a few minutes. But uh, I think this was a successful first episode back. I'm so glad we're doing this. Um, I should also mention, again, this is coming out on Friday. We're, normally, our, our episodes will be on Monday, again, as they were last year. They'll be coming out a little bit later on Mondays, um, just due to some, some scheduling changes. But we're excited to be back with you, Steve. I hope you are having a good time with us, even if you don't necessarily always understand all the words we're saying. But we feel the same way about you. So uh, I think it works well. And uh, I'm so happy to be back. And I'm excited to record another podcast with you in two and a half minutes. So uh, if you, again, tweeted Big Donkey 47, tweeted us, that's what is BBQ. We're excited for college baseball. We hope you are too. Uh, Steve, final thoughts before we say goodbye to this episode. Final thoughts, as long as you guys are smiling while you say the big words, and I know you aren't upset with me, then we're good. Then we're good. I don't That's want Steve to feel PTSD about um, like he's back in elementary school. And so I'm sorry if we contributed to that at all. Yeah, no, I wasn't good at that. I did eat a lot of Play-Doh before we recorded, though, so I didn't have that. That explains um, everything. All right, we'll talk to you all. right. All right. Uh, soon. Note, uh, uh, we'll be back. We'll be back uh, soon. Okay, bye. The Shock Factor Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.